Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. I am Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, nice to be with you uh, again. Uh, do you get a lot of trick-or-treaters where you are? Uh, it depends upon a lot. I mean, I, I thought that I had a lot when I lived in the suburbs, and then I lived in a high-rise in Manhattan, and there was a lot there. But Ooh. now we're, we're back to moderate. I bet you we probably get, you know, 40 or 50 kids that come through. And that's not bad. What what are you now? You've got one kid who is probably prime trick or treat age and one kid who's probably old enough to be too cool for trick or treating. Right. Uh, yeah. Charlotte is 11. Justin is 16. But Justin loves the candy. Not above I mean, going trick or treating because he loves the candy. Okay. Who can fault him for that? But. Yeah. No. All right. Well, uh, I don't know where every, you know, what days everybody does their uh, trick or treating, but uh, make sure that you uh, are safe out there. Have fun. Look both ways. Don't eat anything with razor blades in it. And uh, hope everyone has a uh, happy Halloween. Uh, if you are not one that likes tricks and you would just like to send a treat out to your friends at Broadway Radio, you can head over to Bro- yeah, <laughs> to Patreon slash Bro.com slash Broadway Radio. Um, we have uh, we are a week into the releasing episodes early for patrons and then having them come out at 7.55 a.m., 8 o'clock a.m. Uh, for non-patrons. James, how has that gone so far for everybody? Uh, it's uh, pretty good. You know, we um, ha- still have our, you know, I'm still working out the details with Patreon uh I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure Patreon's going to be long in our plans. Um, you know, certainly we love all of our support through Patreon, and we'll figure out some way to do it, but I keep on hitting walls with Patreon and not 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 thrilled with them. But, you know, we'll figure it out. All right, good to yeah. know. So, uh, but one of the things that came up, uh, one of the listeners asked if they should unsubscribe to our main feed because they're getting it through Patreon. No, don't do that. Don't do that <laughs> because uh, unsubscribing in the feed pushes us, it loses our numbers and we get pushed down in the rankings because people are unsubscribing. And uh, so, so don't do that. Um, we'll, we'll figure out a way to remove the duplicates from our world. And this is one of the technical discussions I'm having with Patreon. And I'm kind of talking to myself right now about that. All right. Good to know. Over my head. I feel like that. Superman gif where he's looking all over the place because it's uh, all over his head, but totally fine. I trust you. Good for you. And uh, one more thing to let everybody know about. Uh, On This Week on Broadway, we had our first major sponsor that was unrelated to the Broadway uh, world. Uh, Not Broadway world, but our Broadway world. Right. Broadway space world, not Broadway world one word. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Mack Weldon, it's a clothing um, company uh, that's actually based in New York on Broadway, but they're an internet company. You don't go to their, you don't go to their headquarters to buy clothes or anything like that. Um, But they are our first major advertiser that's come through an agency and um, they are only sponsoring this week on Broadway right now. They're not sponsoring today on Broadway. So, uh, but I wanted to let everybody know that Mac Weldon, uh, if you go to MacWeldon.com and use the code Broadway Radio, you get 20% off your first order. Uh, and awesome. it's like, uh, you know, men's everyday clothing type of thing, socks, uh, uh, boxers, shirts, things like that, uh, some 
workout clothes, some really nice stuff, very comfortable stuff. Uh, use Broadway Radio for 20% off your first offer. All right. Good to All know. Right. So first up in the news, history was made on Broadway this weekend. Yeah, James, over at the Gershwin Theater, the group of Aussians that do Wicked eight times a week played their 6,680th show on the Broadway, tying them with Les Miserables for the fifth longest running show in Broadway history. By my calculations, the show could catch cats uh, as early as October of 2021. Oh. Uh, it's, it's coming up faster than you'd think. I bet you tickets um, are on sale through October 21 already. You know? <laughs> Probably with Wicked they are. Um, when Wicked does get to that number, if neither Phantom Chicago or The Lion King have closed, and listeners know that I think Chicago could be gone sooner rather than later, but if not, all four of the top shows in Broadway history in terms of runtime would be on the boards at the very same time, essentially eating up 10% of the main stem real estate, uh, which I guess is good because they're still running and still pack people in, but it makes me feel sad for all the producers that have, have to find places to, to uh, fit their shows in on the map. But James, um, behind Wicked, do you know what the longest currently running show is on Broadway? Behind Wicked? Uh, Lion King? No. No, that's ahead. That's, that's ahead, ahead of it. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. It is uh, the Book of Mormon. Oh, of course. Which yeah. is back in 14th place with 3,594 performances under its belt. It would need to play another nine years and four months to pass the cats uh, and to get into the top five all time. I I mean, the Book of Mormon's still doing really well. I, I wouldn't put money on any show running for nearly a decade more than it is now. But uh, if it wants to get into the top five all time, it would need to go to, you know, into 2029. Well, you know, I don't even think America will exist in 10 years. So God, I hope not. Yeah, Just end it now. Where's the meteor meteor when you need it? Yeah, giant meteor 2020. Oof. All right. Um, but instead of looking forward, let's look backwards. What happened in last week's Broadway grosses? Well, last week, the grosses continued to adjust following the unusual holiday weekend spike earlier this month. They fell another 2% or $660,000 to come in at $34,644,583 last week. Seven shows saw six-figure dips, all between 100 and 200 k From largest to smallest, they were wicked. Tootsie, Mean Girls, The Lion King, Frozen, Phantom, and Aladdin. The biggest gainer was American Utopia following its opening week. It did the same number of performances, though. It just had all the extra folks in on comps for opening week and for critics and stuff. Uh, it gained $292,486 and is now at close to nine hundred and eleven dollars on just six performances. James, I was really hoping that I was going to be able to pick up a ticket for this on TDF because they have a weird Saturday at 5.30 p.m. show, which everybody knows that I love. Uh, but with grosses like this, I'm beginning to think that this will not be showing up uh, on TDF when I am in town. But Let we'll have to wait for a see. second. Yes. Uh, I just read before we started recording that Jagged Little Pills on TDF. So uh, It is. So, I saw it today. Yeah. So if you uh, are someone who is a member of TDF, get Jagged Little Pill tickets right away. Yep. 
always a good thing to check there before you buy things. So, uh, all right. The other six figure gainers, in addition to American Utopia, were Hamilton at 177K, Beautiful in its final week on Broadway, jumping 159,000, and The Inheritance, parts one and two combined, obviously, adding an extra 134K. For Beautiful, its final week on the boards saw it play to more than capacity crowds, so it was standing room only on average, and it grossed 121.58% of its gross potential. And like I said to Ashley a week or two ago, James, I'm really surprised that they decided to close this show in October rather than waiting until January. Uh, we, we've talked about it for years that it always does better in the fall. And I think you would have seen the numbers rise, not maybe to these levels, uh, just normally during the fall. And then I think you would have seen numbers like this if they would have announced a January closing during the holidays. So I'm really surprised by that. I can't imagine that roundabout was kicking them out for Slava's snow show because I can't even fathom a world in which Slava's snow show grosses more than than beautiful did last week in the last few weeks but I guess we'll never know really know what the thinking was but I, I'm still surprised but only five other shows saw weekly numbers in the black and they were all plays the rose tattoo the sound inside Linda Vista to kill a mockingbird in the height of the storm Leading the way overall, Hamilton grossed $2,965,824, followed by To Kill a Mockingbird at $2.22 million and Moulin Rouge at $2.2. Then there was The Lion King, Ain't Too Proud, Wicked, Hadestown, Tina, Aladdin, Beautiful, Beetlejuice, The Book of Mormon, Dear Evan Hansen, Cursed Child, and Come From Away, all north of seven figures. The Lightning Thief, colon, the Percy Jackson musical, continues to do shockingly bad business on Broadway at $173,120 last week for just 20.23% of gross potential and just 39.24% of capacity. Those are Clay and Rubin level numbers, James. Nothing that anyone would ever aspire to there. But as we continue to go through this, I think that we have moved into this area that is um, kind of like a poop or get off the pot point for them. And if they don't close this week, I'm thinking they're not going to close early and they'll just wait out their limited run because their vesting rights will likely be kicking in a week or two before Thanksgiving when you would imagine the show would at least improve incrementally enough to pick up a little bit more cash. Now, James, we've talked about vesting rights numerous times over the years, and I think we always get it wrong in some form or fashion. So if if, if I'm wrong, tell James I'm wrong. Uh, don't tell me because I'm very sensitive. Uh, but how I th- how we think it works is that they vary a little bit per production But there is essentially a certain period of time that a show has to run on Broadway for the producers to maintain their percentage of future productions for a given period of time, 20 years, 10 years, whatever that might be in their in their contract. If a show closes on Broadway before that time, the rights revert back to the authors. I think the standard for that is 40 performances. Now, sometimes that can start when the show is frozen um, and sometimes that starts on opening night. It depends on the contract. So we can't really know what the case is here. But either way, they've had 50 performances post opening and let's say they had a week of previews frozen so it could be as high as 23 shows towards vesting either way the two or three weeks that it has to play till it gets vesting rights would put them very close to thanksgiving which would almost make it worth it to suffer through the rest of november to get those rights and the extra tourist money at the box office where you think there's more kids in town maybe you can get you know maybe to 
40% of gross potential as opposed to 20. So, uh, James, I was very much thinking that there was no way that this show could limp along to its January closing date. But the more time we see it not closing, the more I think we're not going to see it close until it had originally planned to. Do you have any idea when the uh, when they pick up the tour after New York? I don't know that there's been one announced yet, uh, at least not to my knowledge. But I would imagine that there there will be. Hopefully they play smaller venues than they did this last time around because it didn't really work very well. But uh, I would imagine this one will be one that does very, very well in amateur and regional rights as well, which is something that should line the coffers of the original Broadway producers as well. So uh, let me see what we got here. Yeah, I thought this was a stop on a tour. Is it the end of the the tour? No, no. The tour actually ended uh, about a month before the Broadway announcement happened. Ah, okay. So it's I think it's the exact same tour cast and probably all the sets and costumes, but it was not technically part of the tour. It wasn't like the the Motown thing or or, or hair. Yeah when Hare had a stop for a summer on Broadway. And I wonder if, because it was developed and, and produced off-Broadway previously, if there is some some other Could be. Uh, encumbrance or attachment to the underlying rights happening there. But it this is all very interesting. I'm trying to figure out why they would keep running it at these, <laughs> at these numbers, other than the theater owner is not going to be able to put anything in there, at least keep the stagehands and ushers and everybody working. Because normally with numbers this bad, uh, yeah. a theater owner will step in and close the show because uh, it's not good for anybody. But I was thinking maybe if they went out again after the th after the Broadway production, then they would keep it running because they would just have to pay for the layoff anyway. And anyway. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. So next up we have the reviews are in for Macbeth classic stage company yeah james this opened uh, uh over the weekend this is directed by the classic stage company artistic director john doyle stars Corey stoll as macbeth and nadia bowers his real life wife as lady macbeth it also features the great mary beth peel eric lochtefeld barbara walsh and more uh it's a, a really fantastic company but apparently james the reviews weren't so hot. Um, Helen Shaw, writing for Vulture, said, quote, John Doyle is a purist. He doesn't use sets beyond simple platforms or indicatory costumes. Crowns are so obvious. And his ensemble members, though not his leads, play many roles without regard to gender or race. There's something a bit salty about using the poor theater aesthetic in a comfortably budgeted house with a bottom ticket price of 82 bucks. But Doyle's logic is that without ornamentation, texts can shine. Audiences will listen more closely, triggering our powers of imagination. That's the theory anyway, one that worked in his spare Broadway stagings of The Color Purple and Sweeney Todd. In the latest Doyle, Macbeth, starring... Uh, Corey Stoll, the trouble lies not in the audience's listening, but in the shows. The storytelling is a mess, and Doyle often asks his company to operate at deliberate loggerheads with the text. Audiences are, by now, comfortable doing the occasional logical leap at Shakespeare. We've stopped freaking out every time a Hamlet pulls a gun and calls it a sword. Doyle, though, goes beyond the usual suspension of disbelief. He's allergic to useful illustration and seems to delight in undermining his speakers. When the witches ask... 
when shall we three meet again? The weird sisters actually number eight. When Lady Macbeth shouts out to unearthly spirits that they should, quote, stop up and access the passage of remorse, passage to remorse, she grabs her crotch meaningfully. Girls, it's so important to take care of your passage to remorse. Macbeth complains that he can't sit down at a table. Banquo's ghost has taken his seat while Stoll is literally standing on the only chair on stage. Why? What does that deliberate perversity get you? Naveen Kumar, writing for Time Out New York, gave the show two out of five stars, saying, quote, Stoll makes clear sense of the verse, though his Macbeth doesn't seem to find a doomed descent into treachery too out of the ordinary. But even in a production that skims the surface, Nadia Bowers seems out of her depth as his conniving wife. As the body count mounts the real feeling and real feeling is required, the result is melodrama and inadvertent humor. When the hurly-burly's done... The battle's far more lost than won. Now, James Macbeth is already one of the shortest scripts that Shakespeare wrote, and they have continued, as they do at Classic Stage Company, to cut it down. It is now just an hour and 40 minutes, so it seems like some of those cuts and some of Doyle's uh, directorial choices did not work well. This was one I was really excited about, kind of glad that I did not get a ticket to it now, but um, always interesting to see what John Doyle does with the text. As the body count mounts... Oof. Let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah. Let the bodies. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, we say you can't hit them all out of the park. Not even if you're in the Nationals. So, no. Uh, <laughs> They're struggling now. They better, oh boy. better figure out a way to win two in Houston. Okay, Rastro. All right. What do we have in the recommendation section? Okay, I've got two things. First up, the Ensemblist podcast has launched their latest miniseries, and this one is co-hosted by my former Tell Me More guest, Aaron J. Albano. They are He is co-hosting this miniseries in which he and Mo Brady rewatch and dissect Smash. They go through the entire long two years of Smash on NBC and they look back at the behind the scenes looks at things and figure out what went right with the show, what they got wrong from two Broadway vets. Um, really excited to listen to this. It just released on Monday. I have not listened to it yet, but uh, I'm very excited about that. And then um, this video, which it seems to have been out for about two months, and someone just shared it on my social media feed this uh, uh, on Monday. And what it is is a look behind the scenes at the tech and especially the lighting for Hamilton. Uh, it goes behind this. It's a behind the scenes look at Hamilton through the eyes of a stagehand who tells us what goes into lighting one of the most successful Broadway musicals. I think that. For all of the greatness from Lin-Manuel Miranda in this show, for all of the greatness from Tommy Kale and Andy Blinkenbuehler and Alex Lacamoire and all of the actors and, and uh, musicians that have been a part of that. I think that the set and the lighting is always something that has been kind of underappreciated, not because people didn't appreciate it, but because so, so many other things were so much more appreciated uh, that this is a really, really cool look uh, at, at a really important thing that doesn't get as much attention outside of, you know, the Tony Awards for lighting. But uh, and this actually comes from The New Yorker. So this is a, a very well done video. So check that one out if you get a chance. The video is beautiful. Yeah, so cinematography cool. is is beautiful. The interview with the stagehand is really really nice, and he talks about that he's been at the Rogers for a very long time, and uh, and the toughest part about his job, dude, the toughest part part about his job is when actors come and go, 
because yeah. you know he's like he stays with the show and an actor will be in and out of Hamilton in a, in a year and we're coming up on five years of Hamilton already and um, and that he's he's trying to impress upon these actors who are very young that come into Hamilton he's like this is something really special and you have to absorb every single day at Hamilton because this is not normal and this and he talks about how the audiences five years later are still responding as though we're opening oh, yeah. night. It's it it's such a great interview. The New Yorker did a great, beautiful video. It's about seven minutes or so. Check it out. I love it. It's yeah. great. And Mo Brady and Aaron doing the rewatch of Smash. <laughs> I love, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait. I yeah, love yeah. that. Oh my god. Why didn't we think of that? We really should have done that. I think we did think of it, but neither did one we? of us is Mo or Aaron. So. And we don't have time. <laughs> I, I've been saying I want to rewatch uh, the West Wing so I can follow along with West yeah. Wing Weekly for like four years since it started. Haven't done that yet. So West Wing point. Weekly is wrapping up. Yeah, Rich, they're running out of yeah, episodes. They, they're they're on uh, final season. Jimmy Smith is almost president. So spoiler oh, alert. Sorry, crap. <laughs> so. Can we get a sports night rewatch? Can they do sports night next? Yeah, but that would be like two weeks. Yeah, I know. It's really sad. I've got it on DVD, though. So. I did Studio 60. You know, Studio 60 was also... Not very good. It was uh, one season, you know. Yeah, and Sarah Paulson played Kristen Chenoweth, basically. Yeah, and they had Kristen Chenoweth on the West Wing Weekly a few weeks ago. Right. And, yeah. uh, and She played she... Leo's communications director. Yes, Annabelle. Annabeth. Annabeth, yes. Uh, and she talked about her relationship with Aaron Sorkin, which I didn't think they were going to bring up, but they <laughs> talked about it, about her. she dated Aaron Sorkin. Very... Yeah, that's Sarah Paulson's character is uh, yeah. pretty much, I mean, there are real life mm -hmm. things that happened to Kristen Chenoweth that appear in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. So, uh, you know, Kristen, it's not very, you know, it's not hugely known out there, but she's, there's a few other pretty big names. Maybe somebody who I've interviewed multiple times on Broadway radio, uh, who I believe she was engaged to as well. So, mm. you know, that's yeah, out there too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and there was something else. I w there was, uh, it, it, it's that Oklahoma water because they had this, uh, New Yorker also had a, uh, an interview with Kelly O'Hara. Oh, and, cool. Uh, and who's also from that broken arrow, Oklahoma area of the world. Yep. And uh, something in the water out there. Those Sopranos, they're making them big. All right. What do we have in show and casting news? All right. Going to wrap up with three quick stories here, James. Yesterday, it was announced that All for One Theater's production of Monsoon Season would extend at the Rattlestick Playwrights Theater. The play by Lizzie Villa will run now through November 23rd. Katsuri Sunshine will continue to bring the Japanese art of Rakugo to New York in Katsuri Sunshine's Rakugo. Excellent. After opening at New World Stages in September, the show will return with new stories beginning on November 2nd. And finally, the news that the theater world has waited anxiously for. The Hoff is coming back to the stage. David Hasselhoff will join the London production of 9 to 5 as Franklin Hart Jr., the Kudish role, who I may uh, or may not yeah, have referenced yeah. Kudish about 25 seconds ago. Um, he will be taking over the role from December 2nd through February 8th. James, that almost warrants a trip across the pond for the holidays. Oh, that should be the, the destination of the Broadway cruise. <laughs> you, talk, you and Nancy talked about last week. 
yeah, I mean, the, the Broadway cruise isn't launching until like eight months after uh, his run is done. But I think they should move it up specifically so that oh, people yeah. can see the Hoff. Well, yeah, they should do a test run, you know, a sits probe of the I, Broadway cruise. <laughs> you know? I'm very happy to be a test, uh, a, a, a test cruiser uh, to go to go see the Hoff. No, actually. I have no interest in seeing the Hoff. Uh, anybody who's seen the pro capture that they filmed of him and Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, oh, oh. And that's a show I actually liked. I saw it. I saw it with Cooch, with Robert Cuccioli. And I thought, it, you know, the show was the show, but uh, Cooch was great. Hass. Hasselhoff. Yeah. No, hmm. man. That's a no for me, dog. It's a hard no. Hard that no. That ain't it, Chief. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Germans love David Hasselhoff. Thank you, Norm. And my name is James Reno from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. Uh, and I think that Matt and I are coming back tomorrow. Is that what's happening? I think you're going to be here. I think Ashley is going to be here. Uh, but who knows? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a merry-go-round of hosts these days here at Broadway Radio. Somebody will be here, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. You didn't think I was going to get the Norm Macdonald reference, did you?